Welcome to UCLA Extension's Business Insights with Roger Trenaden, where we highlight hot topics and underlying economic trends useful to you. Welcome, listeners. Today, Roger introduces his new free course called 2020 Panic, What's Next? Navigating Panics, Recessions, and Recoveries. That starts May 21st, and you can enroll now. Roger will also cover the dominance of our U.S. dollar and the increasing power of the Federal Reserve. Let's join him now. We at UCLA Extension wish you well as this lockdown and social distancing continues to take a personal and economic toll with our families. The conflicting media reports in the context of additional media-generated drama are certainly not helpful. That being said, I remind myself that we have the world's best healthcare system and that resolutions are close by despite all the political machinations and attempts to win power in the election cycle. I'll happily stick to addressing business insights given that this topic is complicated and perhaps controversial enough. The puzzle parts are more defined now than two weeks ago, so we'll jump into the really important trends that should help you plan for the panic of 2020 recovery. This podcast, by its very nature, is challenging and the subjects are complex, but should benefit future career and financial plans since we will all emerge in a changed jobs and financial environment. We are trying to cover a panic and financial crisis in 15 minutes each two weeks, which means we've already digested the news cycle and the economic reports and have moved on to our evaluation results and future expectations. I know our listing audience is diverse and includes a board member of one of the world's largest insurance companies located in Europe, several executives from U.S. money center banks, economic analysts, and several university economics professors at one end of the listing spectrum, and at the other end, business school students, small business owners, at least one entertainer, and those just interested in learning about business as a result of the panic that we've been through and are going through. Thanks to each of you for pausing your own personal and business activities to think about our podcast contents. We do try to cover important trends and topics not typically covered in the general or business media. Presumably, you can get as much as that as you want every day on your own. Today, I'm happy to give you enrollment information in a new and free six-week online course that complements our podcasts. This course will give you a far deeper understanding of what we're dealing with and how we'll likely recover, as well as what the recovery should look like and how long it should take. Our course is primarily what we call asynchronous, which means you can access materials, including videos, at your own convenience from anywhere in the world. You can now enroll in this free online course that begins May 21st. Just go to www.uclaextension.edu and scroll to the bottom of the homepage. Then click on No Cost Educational Resources and Tools. Scroll down to the title, 2020 Panic, What's Next? Navigating Panics, Recessions, and Recoveries. Click on this course link and take advantage of free enrollment and course access instructions. This link is posted on our SoundCloud podcast page for this episode. The free course leads you through an understanding of how past crises, and there are more than 40 of them, 
defined and redefined America as the world's strongest economy and ultimately placed the U.S. dollar in a dominant global position. The dollar is so dominant that 80% or so of all world trade and capital movements are in dollars, and the Federal Reserve now pretty much determines global financial policies and actions. This may be a bit of an exaggeration, but not much of one. In the past month or so, the Fed has created record amounts of new currency, that is new dollars, pumping trillions of dollars into the U.S. financial markets by buying U.S. debt, and it now owns more U.S. debt than all the other countries combined. Additionally, the Fed totally dominates the repo marketplace and ensures that the world's banks can borrow against their existing U.S. government securities portfolio. Recall that the problems in the repo market tipped us off in late 2019 that a crisis was brewing. We just couldn't predict the coronavirus would accelerate the financial crisis to where it is now. The Fed is creating new dollars exponentially for more than the obvious reasons. For example, they know that the burgeoning U.S. government debt must be quickly and successfully sold at each treasury auction. And these take place all during the month, each month. A problem with one of these future debt auctions will cause a new set of dominoes to start to fall, which would spike interest rates across the United States and indicate a general lack of willingness around the world to continue buying U.S. debt. As we mentioned before, the U.S. Treasury counts upon the 24 primary dealers. Again, these are the large money center banks, including J.P. Morgan, Citibank, Bank of America, and so forth, and include several large foreign-based banks like HSBC and Deutsche Bank. And these two banks are known to have serious financial sustainability issues. When these dealers have problems reselling this debt, as they do have now, the Fed, via the repo market, gives them the ability to borrow to buy even more using existing holdings as collateral. This sounds a bit like borrowing on a credit card in order to make a monthly mortgage payment. Anyway, it's not good, but it is needed in these times. The U.S. Treasury must sell new debt to fund the brand new multi-trillion dollar credit programs for small businesses and unemployment compensation increases. In addition to this new debt, the Fed is buying municipal bonds, corporate bonds, and even junk bonds. They are also stabilizing the certificate of deposit marketplace and buying even more of the securitized mortgage obligations that almost destroyed our financial markets in 2008 and 2009. Further, the Fed is loaning dollars to the Bank of England, European Central Bank, and Bank of Japan under new and large swap lines. Truly, the Fed has no limit of the amounts of dollars it can create under the Federal Reserve Act of 1913 and will continue to create more money as a lifesaver for the free world's banks and banking systems. I fully expect the Federal Reserve, which only had assets of $800 billion before the 2008-2009 Great Recession, expanded its security holdings up to $4 trillion last year, and now they are in the process of expanding, in my view, up to approximately $10 trillion over the next year or so. I fully expect the U.S. government to balloon its own debt from $23 trillion to approximately $30 trillion over the same time period. So we have the Fed on steroids and we have the U.S. government borrowing at exponential rates. 
Our money creation and U.S. debt are both growing so fast that concerns arise that the Fed will control the world's banking system and the federal government will have debts so large that no one could even consider it could ever be repaid by any future generation. So why is this important now? Here are a couple of the largest reasons you might want to think about. Number one, the U.S. is by far the largest debtor nation in the world, and the inability of the U.S. to keep borrowing would threaten the global financial system. The 2008-2009 Great Recession could be minor league versus the demand for U.S. debt drying up now. Demand could continue to dry up as China and other foreign purchasers stopped buying U.S. Treasury debt about two years ago. But these days, there are new threats which are completely independent of the foreign willingness to buy new debt. The foreign buyers may even have to become sellers of U.S. debt as their own financial crises require cashing in some of their U.S. securities. In this case, the Fed would totally monetize the U.S. debt by buying virtually all of it and any of it in the future that would be issued at Treasury auctions. This could be, and I would say would be, devastating to us, in my view, as interest rates would likely jump and further influence new rounds of business bankruptcies and employee layoffs. This scenario will have to be avoided at all costs, and in my view, that's exactly where we are today. Many deals will be made with foreign central banks to try to mend the system versus watch it break down as it did during the Great Depression years. My expectation is that new rounds of large amounts of money creation will follow this year and next. The globe will be flooded with new dollars and foreign nations will cooperate. The alternative is just too dire, for the free world countries anyway. Number two, here's the second reason you should care about all this increasing debt. Last year, the U.S. government paid about 2% interest on its $23 trillion of national debt, making the annual interest payments close to $500 billion. When the debt hits $30 trillion or so next year, and considering a scenario in which interest rates move up to even a historically reasonable 4%, the annual U.S. government debt interest expense will more than double from $500 billion to $1.4 trillion each year. In a so-called normal year, we are saddled with a trillion-dollar operating budget deficit, so another $700-plus billion of interest expense would push a normal year up close to a $2 trillion annual deficit requiring ever more U.S. debt increases to keep enough money coming in. Keep in mind that the U.S. government, in total, quote, only, brings in about $3.4 trillion from taxes and fees, and we'd be spending over $5 trillion in this scenario. If we had a serious issue rolling over and raising new, higher levels of debt, tax increases would absolutely be in focus, and in many states they are right now. But the increases needed would be astronomical likely increasing the federal income taxes by over 50% across the board. This scenario would generate magnitudes more civil unrest and political instability. This is not healthy for us as future taxpayers or for holders of U.S. debt or even bonds of any issuer, as new debt will require more and more capital diverted away from production and real investments. 
In past podcasts before the panic of 2020, we pointed out that business investment in new plant and equipment has been historically low, creating new employment problems. We also discussed artificial intelligence and robotics as net threats to new employment versus, in my opinion, more jobs being displaced than created. In a past podcast, Amazon was cited as an example. They first created competition and destroyed many brick-and-mortar retailers, and these retailers laid off their employees, and this is still going on. The next phase was replacing their distribution center employees to a great degree with AI and robotics. These trends were well-established last year and can only be expected to accelerate as operations cost savings across all our industries, not just Amazon, will be required to at least partially make up the coronavirus-related shutdown and revenue losses. We are constantly getting more data on what to expect each day with respect to an economic recovery. Here are some conclusions in hopes that they will spark new thoughts in the contexts of your jobs, your businesses, and your future plans. First of all, we are so far witnessing what may be a new normal for some years based on various behavioral patterns reported in China, Korea, Japan, Italy, France, Sweden, and other countries that were a bit ahead of the United States with the uh, coronavirus infections. Participants in entertainment venues, especially in venues of thousands of people, showed no signs of returning in sufficient numbers for the venues to be financially sustainable. The same seems to be true even for movie theaters and shopping centers. The economics of large venues require large attendance for financial viability. In my experience, including the retail industry, a decline of even 5 or 10% of traffic inflows makes the difference between keeping a large facility open or having to close it due to the nature of its high fixed costs like mortgages, property taxes, maintenance expenses, insurance expenses, and these expenses have to be covered. Before the panic of 2020, brick-and-mortar retailers were closing with revenue losses year to year of only single digit. Many retailers will make it another year, but I'm sorry to say a lot won't. Even in another year, inbound foot traffic, in my view, will be the danger zone for closure since it doesn't take much to destroy the needed financial balance. The really large venue operators, including Live Nation, conference centers, large hotels, and even the casino industry with their supersized convention facilities will move to a downsizing mode in facilities and staffs this year and next. Recovery of this sector, in my view, is many years away, best case. We mentioned the substantial imbalance between global oil production of 100 million barrels per day and the estimated consumption now of 60 to 70 million barrels per day. Unfortunately, If Russia and Saudi Arabia totally stopped producing, there would still be a global surplus. With U.S. oil prices under $40 or $50 a barrel, much less today's oil prices near $20 a barrel, we consumers will benefit and low energy costs will help in recovery. But unfortunately, many U.S. oil producers will go bankrupt. And today's credit issues across the United States plus the bare-bones survivalist consumption will severely drag a recovery and, by the way, impact a lot of local banks. Low oil prices will dampen any new money flows in the OPEC countries, which will result in lower amounts of money to buy U.S. government debt. That's kind of an unintended consequence of the oil industry being in trouble. 
And in my view, the minuses substantially overwhelm the pluses with oil prices remaining so low. Any businesses that are highly leveraged financially will be new and substantial risks for failure and will create new survival risks for their banks. The banks and credit system will survive, as we've discussed, due to Federal Reserve support, but the employees and stockholders of many companies may be at total risk. During the 2008-2009 Great Recession, we had many examples of forced takeovers and mergers, particularly in the finance industry, with the main losers being the shareholders and the employees. In total, it seems increasingly unlikely we'll experience a quick recovery, but we will recover over a long time frame. The stock market may well have at least one more large sell-off as multiple sell-offs and short-term counter-trends occur in panics and crises. It seems likely that given two or three years, employment will be much healthier, and the stock market could even hit new highs. But this year and next will be a rocky journey. I want to again bring up the new free course that goes into far more detail, and I think some of the complexities will be made much more understandable. Our new free course, again, spans six weeks. Enrollment is available now. Just go to www.uclaextension, one, one word, .edu, and click on no-cost educational resources and tools. It's a little box in the lower part of the page. Scroll to the 2020 panic, what's next, navigating panics, recessions, and recoveries. Click on this course, take advantage of the free enrollments and course access instructions. I look forward to continuing our relationship, not only with podcasts, but with this course. Ideally, I hope each of you would form your own expectations and game plans. You will be far more comfortable using a small number of key resources to make your own game plans than to rely on the media, which tends to stir up emotions every day. The reporters in the media, with very few exceptions, are not knowledgeable or particularly helpful in contributing useful ideas and strategies. Our free course intends to fill many gaps that exist and to be coordinated in the future with our podcast. So thank you again and stay well. And I look forward to being a part of your life in two weeks. Be sure to email us at rtornadin at uclaextension.edu on more specific questions, which we will answer either personally or select as part of our future podcast. Hosted by Business and Legal Programs Director Roger Tornadin. This podcast is presented by UCLA Extension and produced by Jamie Moss at Studio 10960. These podcasts are made for educational purposes and are not financial advice. The goal is to educate and provide resources on focused economic and job trends with the latest support research so that you can make more informed financial and career decisions that best suit your personal needs. UCLA Extension offers more than 5,000 online and in-classroom courses taught by over 2,000 leading practitioners to help you get from here to there. For more information on this podcast or our financial and legal programs, please check us out at www.uclaextension.edu.